another episode of the mixed witches podcast it is the end of april and let me let me check i didn't check what date this would come out (laughs) yeah this will come out before um before the first of may but it's the end of april it's the last week of april which is fucking wild by the time that this comes out but like not a fan. <laughs> a fan, but not a fan. Because I'm sure by the time this comes out, it's going to feel like, what, didn't we just record this? Didn't we just fucking record it? No. No, it was a while ago. Oh. <laughs> but anyways. I go first today. And at as it is almost the end of... April, I am talking about Beltane. So Beltane, also known as May Day, is one of the Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year. It's actually one of the first Sabbaths I'm doing that isn't an equinox equinox or a solstice. It's a half-day Sabbath. Um, Beltane is a celebration of the return of summer and fertility. In the old days, all hearth fires would be extinguished and bonfires would be lit instead. Fire from these bonfires would be used to relight the community's hearth fires at the end of the celebration. Some other things is cattle would be driven between the fires to protect them and couples would leap over smaller fires to plead. That's not the word I want. To basically display their love for each other. I wrote to plead their love for each other. That's not the word that should go there. But I don't remember which one should. Um, Beltane is the god that the goddess gave birth to at the winter solstice and now has the strength and maturity to court and become, become the goddess's lover. So if you remember from when I talked about the wheel of the year and its correspondences to the god and the goddess back on Ostara, then this is what we're talking about. The god is finally old enough and is ready to become... I'm just going to stop there. He's old enough. (laughs) Um, Though many matches are made and courtship happens on Beltane, as it's also the most overtly sexual festival (laughs) on the wheel of the year, as people used to couple by the fires, um, at least that's what I've read multiple times, but as soon as I tried to actually go find it on the research scale, I couldn't. (laughs) 
but just know this is a sex holiday. <laughs> yup. That's the whole point of Beltane. The whole point of Beltane is had ha- is to have sex with people. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> so even though that's not really part of pagan practice anymore, um, it's still a day of sexual energy and fertility. So just dancing around the maypole at is an act of like uh, sexual energy. Because if you don't know, a maypole is supposed to represent a penis. In case you never knew that. That's what it's meant. That's what it's there for. So some correspondences for Beltane. The day is April 30th, 30th to May 1st. The colors are red and white, as well as any other summery colors you can think of. Symbols are the maypole, wreaths, fires, and flowers in full bloom full bloom. Tools are a wand or staff, candles and fire. And then gods slash goddesses are Aphrodite, Aphrodite slash Venus, Bell, which is Beltane, uh, Bell, Freya, Flora, Pan, Dionysus slash, uh, slash Bacchus, 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 however you say his Roman counterpart name, Serenus, Sarah, Sarah, Nos. That, we'll just forget that one exists. Soul and Ra. Oh. <laughs> so if you noticed, several of these gods I mentioned in the last episode when I was talking about for fertility correspondences. So it's not surprised, surprising they ended up here as well. So some ways that people celebrate fertility around the world. There's only a few because I only found a few. It's not like with the equinoxes where everybody celebrates the equinoxes or the solstices. Um, This is basically a minor holiday. So it's not celebrated as vastly as it is as the solstices and equinoxes are. But... In Greece, there's annual phallus festival where they eat penis-shaped bread and kiss a giant phallic statue. In India, you have Ambubaki Mela, which symbolizes menstruation. So the story behind this is that Lord Shiva's wife jumped into a fire after an altercation with her father. And while he was carrying her, he dropped parts of her body which fell to the earth. So, the temple where it's believed her vagina fell closes for three days yearly and is believed to turn red to symbolize menstruation. When I read that, I had to read it about four or five different times because I was like, wait, 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 what fell there? Her vagina? Her what? <laughs> what? What? No. What did you say to me? So, that's celebrated in India. In Thailand, women visit a shrine known as Chow Mei uh, Tuptin. Tuptim. Wow. To offer phallic shaped gifts to the female spirit residing in the shrine's tree in exchange for blessings to help them conceive. And last. 
but not least, Japan, we have Kanamara, 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 Kanamara Matsura, where people parade the streets with um, a giant pink penis, and this is said to boost fertility and to pre protect participants from venereal diseases. Again, I think this is just an excuse for people to have sex by saying that you're not going to catch an STD if you're running around during this time. Don't believe it. They'll come for you anyways. The doctor said no. The doctor said it doesn't matter wear a condom. <laughs> Medical science said no. How about you uh, don't, but if you choose to, protect yourself, please. This is not the protection. But that's what I have. So it was a super short one because, like I said, it's a minor holiday. It's not on a solstice or an equinox, so it's not celebrated as widely. I saw something about um, a watering, watering the girls' day in Hungary, which, euphemisms, but also has to do with everybody gathering in like the town squares and throwing water at each other, but mainly it's only the women getting water thrown at themselves. So. Again? Yes, another one, right? <laughs> what is what this? Is it? What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Stop throwing water at girls. We don't like it. Seriously. But yeah, that's, that's Beltane. Super short sex holiday. That's all you really need to know. Awesome. <laughs> what what do you have for us? Well, since you've talked about that, uh, it's very funny that I'm talking about the seventh and the eighth house. Because the eighth <laughs> house has to do with intimacy. Perfect. But first comes the seventh house. <laughs> the seventh house is the house of partnerships. And it is ruled by Libra and the planet Venus. You remember I said Libra is the romantic sign. Is so that why, why I have such a hard time? Because it's my moon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might. You might have. Yeah. That might be. That might have something to do with it. So uh, the seventh house is our sense of other. Some say, and we might say, that it constitutes our shadow. Being a set of characteristics we do not consciously identify with, we are attracted to what is in our seventh. The seventh is where we are prone to projection. So it is the house outside of ourselves. You need to do some shadow work. You may want to look at your seventh house. My son is in my seventh house. Still trying to figure out what that means for me. <laughs> the sun represents ego, and the seventh house may represent shadow, and you know. <laughs> this is the house of marriage and other contractual partnerships. So, marriage, business relationships, contracts, legalities, negotiations, agreements. So it's romantic and platonic. 
because Libra is also the house of like court. It is the justice card in tarot. So court stuff happens here. <laughs> it is also the house of open enemies, as in enemies you know about. The twelfth house is secret enemies. Those are enemies you can't see. But this is open enemies. These are like haters. <laughs> These are the ones you know you know about. These are the ones that say I don't like you to your face. <laughs> this is litigations in the lower courts where disputes between two warring parties are settled. As I just said. It's funny that we just did Taurus because my seventh house is in Taurus. And my son is here. Now, having your son in your seventh house could mean that you are very fixated on being in a relationship or getting married. In today's, um, this will be a bit touchy, but I will say in today's level of feminism, that could be seen as a negative. But I don't necessarily see it as negative. It is neutral. It just means you could want to be in a relationship. <laughs> you could want to be married. That could be your goal. One day. One day. I will no longer be a widow. I was going to say a widow. I'm no longer be a spinster. <laughs> so, let me break it. You have, <laughs> me having Taurus here, if you also have an Earth sign here, Virgo or Capricorn, it means that you'll probably wait a long time. You'll probably, like, look for a partner for a long time. You may be a bit slow to take to, like, contracts. You may, like, want to read them over two, three, four, five, seven times. <laughs> it may mean, since this is the house of others, it may be that you look and are attracted to earth signs or people who are more stable, more grounded, if you have a fire sign here, you may be attracted to fire signs, or you may be attracted to those qualities like people who are more spontaneous, passionate. You may jump into stuff more quickly than an earth sign here would. Sign and contracts. You read it once, you're like, hey, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't even read it over you just glanced and you said yeah whatever basically if you have an air sign here you may be more analytical about your decisions you may um you may approach relationships with like a laundry list of standards um you may read the fine print of contracts more readily than others if you have Libra here, you may be really lucky in court. If you have Sagittarius here, you may also be lucky in court. If you have a water sign here, or if you have Scorpio here, you may have a very um, boisterous shadow. Or you may project a lot. Scorpios already have a tendency to project all the time. So if you happen to have Scorpio in your seventh house, you may be wary of that. You need to look into that. <laughs> I also have Mars here, which means I don't move very fast. There's just no energy here. Mars is all about energy, and I put it in the sign of Taurus, so my Mars said, okay. 
it's fine. No movement. Now, if you have Venus here or Mars here, because both have to do with relationships, Venus is a planet of love and sensuality, and Mars is, an, is the planet of sexuality. It tends to be the planet of also, like, um, go-getting. It's a warrior planet. So if you happen to have these in your seventh house, that will also influence what kind of partners you look for. Like, I have my Mars in my seventh house, which means I need a partner that challenges me because I get bored easy. Now, the fact that I also have my Venus and Aries, that don't help. <laughs> it just makes it worse. If you have Venus here, you may be really obsessed with love. I say obsessed. That has a negative connotation. But you really, you might love love. The idea of love or being in love or you may be seeking love. You may like to date. If you have a soft sign in your fifth house and a soft sign here, cool. We're all going to date you. That's what that means. We're all going to date you. If you have Saturn here, you may get divorced, although I'm hesitant to say that, but Saturn is a karmic planet or it's a planet of trials, so you may go through a divorce. If you have Gemini here, you may get married more than once because it is the dual sign. Or I'll, you may be in a polyamorous relationship. I don't know you. <laughs> this Gemini is the dual sign. And I'm going to back up in my book. <laughs> so the eighth house is the house of intimacy. It is also the house of death. And no, it's not going to tell you when you're going to die. Sorry. <laughs> if you were looking for that, <laughs> it won't tell you that. It won't tell you that. I'm sorry. <laughs> the eighth house is ruled by Scorpio and Mars and Pluto. So the eighth house is where we encounter many of the darker aspects of life. Um, it's where we experience loss and emotional crisis, but also deep transformation. So it is the house of, the reason it is the house of sex and death is because it's essentially the house of birth and rebirth. So whatever signs and planets you have here are where you're going to go through a lot of transformation multiple times. Shared resources also fall into the eighth house because it is opposite the second house. So the second house is personal finances. This is shared finance. So, you know, after you get married, if you get married. This is inheritances, alimony, taxes, insurance, and support from another person. It is not only financial support, but spiritual support and emotional and physical support. As I said, intimacy. <laughs> the eighth house addresses intimacy as potential opportunities of growth or a form of death, the ability to lose yourself in another person, even to your detriment. which you would feel very heavily if you happen to have Scorpio in its natural house. In its natural house. <laughs> it is also 
the house of secrets, similar to the 12th house. There's also secrets there. This house of power plays and the house of unspoken contracts and intimacy. Intimacy, like, this is the house of nonverbal things. <laughs> so it can also, just like the fifth house, can literally have to do with procreation of children. The eighth house could also literally have to do with birth and procreation of children. So if that's something important to you, you may want to look at both your fifth and eighth house. It is also home to surgery and surgeons. That is where they live. It is also the house where we um, process death. As I said, it's not going to tell you when you're going to die, but it is going to tell you, and it's not going to tell you when anyone else is going to die, but it will tell you how you grieve the concept of death to you personally. So I'll tell you mine. I have Gemini in my eighth house, which basically means uh, I prefer communication when exploring myself and others. I am the kind of person that talks your ear off on a date because I want to get inside your head. <laughs> it's also why I feel like I journal very well because Gemini also rules writing because Mercury. If you have Virgo here, you'll probably feel the same way. Gemini is also a side of curiosity. So like open curiosity, that'll be important to you in your eighth house. You have Gemini here, you have Libra here, or Aquarius here, similar, because those are also air signs. Though that would definitely depend, since Aquarius is a sign that is ruled by two planets. You may lean more Saturn, or you may lean more Uranus. So if you have Aquarius here, you may be less adventurous or more adventurous, but that depends on placement. If you have a fire sign here, there's more spontaneity here, uh, passion. If you have an earth sign here, like I just said about the seventh house, maybe more slow to open up more slow to like let people in to talk to others you may not share your finances very easily your shared resources you may be a bit stingy in that regard <laughs> whereas if you have an air side here or fire sign here maybe very fluid you know an earth sign here would want to like sign a prenup Scorpio here, Cancer here, may also want to do that. But an air sign or a fire sign may not be so worried about it. But if you have Aquarius here, you may be a bit of an outlier. You may also want to. And you're going to read that contract at least three or four or five times. <laughs> I know what's mine and I know what's yours. <laughs> Basically. If you have Saturn here, just like if you have Saturn in your fifth house, you may have some struggle with birth or conception. If you have Saturn here, you may go through death a lot in your life or loss, like losing a house, losing 
your finances loss of some sort to teach you a lesson because Saturn is all about lessons. If you have Mars here, just like if you might have Mars in your fifth house, you may be more sexually charged than somebody who may have Saturn here. Saturn is slow to open up. If you have your moon here, you would also be very closed off, slow to open up. Very like keep to yourself. Similarly to if you have Cancer here or Scorpio there. You may be very secretive too. I remember it's about secrets. If you have Scorpio or Cancer there or your moon or Pluto or Saturn, you're going to be secretive. Sorry, I don't make rules. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have Jupiter here or Sagittarius here or an air sign or a fire sign, you may, be, you may not keep secrets. You may not like to do that with a partner or friends or what have you. You may think that that's not okay. You know, secrets don't make friends. I'm very much that. <laughs> also, if you have like Jupiter here, you may be very like giving. You like to give your money. Similarly to if you have it in your second house, maybe very like giving to a point of fault, maybe. <laughs> to giving. You, can, you don't have no money for you. Don't know where it went. <laughs> you gave it all away. And that's what I have. I think people think the 8th house and the 12th house are very scary. But I think it's more like you could have scary placements. I don't think they're <laughs> scary. But I think if you have like if you have Pluto in your 8th house, I'm sorry. You should be You're gonna, concerned. <laughs> you are the proverbial uh, butterfly. You are the phoenix. You're going to go through a lot of rebirth in your life. Although, you know, if I may be that guy, I have Gemini here. If you have Gemini here... This is, we may be giving the Geminis that two-faced reputation. Mm. <laughs> Just because it's, or it may, that um, stereotype of Gemini may resonate with you, even though you're not a Gemini, just because you may feel, you may feel open one day, secretive another day, wishy-washy. Similarly to Libra, because Libra is the scales, so... Similar, if you have Pisces there, you may feel that way. So, yeah. Speaking of fertility and babies, <laughs> if you want babies, look at your fifth house and your eighth house. See what's there. Placements, aspects, all that for babies. You make me want to dive into my <laughs> chart more, dude. <laughs> I don't know if I have the mental capacity for all that. <laughs> Oh, that fucking hurt. I just stretched I'm and I forgot that my arm still hurts from the shot. Oh. So, so I stretched and now my arm just aches. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm still analyzing my chart, so I, I'm, I'm... I know a little bit more than I did, but I'm still very confused. <laughs> you just like, but why? <laughs> I have no, I feel like sometimes having empty houses, like I have no planets in my eighth house, they'll be like, oh, that'll be easy. Wrong. No. <laughs> Wrong. That's where It just means I had to do less research, but it doesn't mean I understand it better. <laughs> that means instead of having two things possibly putting their two cents into you, you only have one thing putting its two cents into you. But that's not always the best thing. 
Seriously. Also, having Gemini here means that you may have twins. If you have Gemini in your fifth house, you also may have twins. Mm. Because that is the house of twins. I mean, that's the sign of twins. I am a fan. I've always been a fan. Me as well. (laughs) I feel like, I don't know, I feel like little girls go through cycles of wanting twins, though. And I don't know why. I know, I don't know what that is either. Like, I feel like, well, I guess I didn't really talk to that many, many girls when I was growing up. I didn't have a lot of friends. But... (laughs) It's weird to me that both you and I were like, yeah, we want twins. It's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any kind of sense. I mean, it does. Like, you have two, and then you can get it over with, and then you don't have to have any more kids. Unless you want more. Seriously. I mean, nobody's saying anybody has to have two kids. But I feel like two kids is easier. Because then, at least, if you're busy... They're not alone. (laughs) Right. So if you have, I didn't say, if you have, I have Jupiter in my fifth house. If you have Jupiter in your fifth house or Jupiter in your eighth house, you may want a big family. Not necessarily that you're going to have a lot of kids, but you may adopt a lot or have a big family. You may marry somebody that has kids or like has a big family. So even if you don't, you may marry into one. Hmm. I think that happened with one of my friends one time. Like, her mom already had four kids, and then she married this guy who had fucking, um, he had three kids already. So they ended up as a family of, like, five. Not five. What? I can't count. Like, a family of eight. God. If you have, like, your moon in your fifth or your moon in your eighth, you also may be very, because... The moon can be maybe a bit negative, but on the positive, you may want to be a mom. It may very influence, like, even if your seventh house maybe says you don't want to get married, you definitely want to. <laughs> because the moon is the nurturing planet. Well, it's not a planet, but it's a planet. Oh, <laughs> I don't have anything in my seventh or eighth house either. What the cannoli? Oh. What the Chanel? (laughs) What shenanigans? My eighth is in Pisces. I feel like you said something about fifth house being in Sagittarius. (laughs) I did. And I'm feeling mildly attacked. I, I remember thinking when you were talking about it, I was like, is my fifth house in Sagittarius? I should probably check. It is. Sagittarius is also, um, it's, there, Sagittarius and Gemini are on the same axis. So Sagittarius is also a sign that is very, like, thought. Communication and thought is also important. So you're going to be looking for, if you have Sagittarius in your fifth house, you're also going to be the type of person who wants to talk and get to know somebody before dating. You're right. But not in a way of, not in a Saturn-type way of, like, I don't trust you. Not in a Scorpio-type way. In a way of, like, just interest. You're right. (laughs) Tell me about you. Tell me about you. 
I want to know the things. Let's have a conversation. Honestly, if you can't have a conversation with me, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to know you. (laughs) Damn. Fair. I feel the same way. Like, I don't don't want you to think you have a chance if you can't have a conversation with me. Because you don't. That's fair. Because I will get so bored so quickly. I have Gemini in my eighth. I see. I agree with you. (laughs) I I feel the same way. If we can't have a conversation, it's not happening. (laughs) I have Jupiter and Sagittarius in my fifth. I'm like, just don't. Don't don't even try. If, like, if I'm on a dating site and your profile's not filled out, don't talk to me. Don't even Having Jupiter there may... Having Jupiter there is also could also manifest as having having dated a lot. It could also be um, that you're attracted to people who are optimistic, which I definitely feel. Yeah. I don't want no sad boy. Yeah. Well, I kind of do, but only if they're a water sign do I want a sad boy. Like because that's a given. Like I expect the water sign to be a sad boy. There's, there's kind of, like, a difference, though, because it's okay to be, like, not well, you, okay. but, you like, You have being... Sagittarius there. You don't want no sad boy. No, I don't. <laughs> I want somebody who's optimistic. I hate people who sit there and they're just Debbie Downers all the fucking time. But I can be friends with sad boys. Just not pessimistic yeah. people. Because there's a difference between being sad and being pessimistic. I don't like pessimistic people. I agree. Like, it's like, what pleasure do you get out of being fucking a Debbie Downer all the time, every single day, 24-7 hours a day? You don't. You, well, there's no, Nobody, nobody gets anything from it. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't even uh, about the fifth house. <laughs> no. I mean, they're, but, okay, but, I mean, they're both about relationships, like I said, so. Yeah. If you have um, Uranus in your eighth house, you may adopt. That's another adoption sign. Mm. You may be a little bit rebellious. You may want to adopt maybe kids with, I don't want to sound harsh, but you may want to adopt kids with issues. Like disabilities? Yeah. Okay. Or maybe kids from third world countries, a different race than you, something different. You may be interested in that. Because Uranus is the, the the rebellious planet, the weird planet, the fuck it planet. <laughs> like why not boy. planet? <laughs> if you have Neptune here or in your fifth house, you may have artistic kids that may manifest at in your children. I don't want to go so far as an amateur. I don't want to go so far to say like you may have that sign, but like you could. I have Gemini here. I could have a Gemini child. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of hope not. (laughs) But if that's okay. I'll serve. I'll love them no matter what sign they are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, I find it very funny. You were talking about your fifth house. I find it very funny that I just glossed over the fact that mine's in Pisces. I'm over here having the love of my life being Dick Grayson. (laughs) <laughs> he's not real but I wish he was he's not real but damn if he were he's not real but clearly like subconsciously I knew he was a Pisces yeah 
also, do I or do I not have a bat symbol tattooed on me? Batman is also a Pisces. Water boys. <laughs> it's all the water boys for you. I want a water boy. If you are a soft, sad water boy. Talking about your yeah. love for Midoriya. <laughs> uh. <laughs> we don't have to do that. <laughs> well, we don't got you. We don't gotta do that. <laughs> we don't gotta go there. Crybaby Cancer Boy. There's so many That's Cancer Deadpool. Boys, though. Like, in that anime. Yeah, I know. Tim Drake is also a Cancer. I just wanted small, sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want a small, sad boy, so it's good. You know what's funny, though? I mean, this probably just has to do with Someone's going to hear this and go, oh, yeah, obviously, it's supposed to be like that, but I'm a water ascendant, and my fifth is in water, and you are a fire ascendant, and your fifth is in fire. So in a way, you are attracting somebody like you. Because mm. I was like, I was just thinking, I am small and sad. My, I'm a Scorpio ascendant. I am small, sad girl. I want a small, sad boy. <laughs> you don't, because you are a Leo. <laughs> No, I need somebody who wants that to at take, all. I want I need somebody who wants to take the spotlight so we can fight over it. Jesus. Good natured fighting. No drama. No drama. <laughs> so if you have I will finish it. If you have a water sign there or your moon, you may also have fertility issues. Scorpio does, first of all, rule that, just like I said, for the fifth. So, Scorpio said, I want to bring you all the problems. <laughs> and if I'm in my natural house, I will. <laughs> and if I'm where I'm supposed to be, it will happen. Uh, cancer is a very closed off, a melancholy. There could be some sadness here. Water signs are known to be sensitive and sad, emotional. So you may not necessarily happen to do with fertility, but you may have some loss, maybe some sadness. Loss, I suppose, maybe not dramatic loss, but loss in a way that's sad. Maybe pictures, I'm thinking pictures, like maybe you lost some pictures. Things like that. Things that are sentimental. You may take it very hard as well. Pisces is also a, a sign of addiction, so be wary of that. <laughs> I feel because my fifth house is in Pisces. <laughs> solidarity. Solidarity. We'll just struggle together. <laughs> the struggle bus. Oh, Well, I didn't say. If you have Pisces in your fifth house, you may develop an addiction to gambling, so please be wary of that. <laughs> That's all I have. What's your media? Um. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, since so seventh house is about marriage, and eighth house is about dying. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I felt like it was the per. I felt like it was the perfect chance to talk about corpse bride. Yes. Oh. I literally passed it on the list, and I was like, "There it is." That one. <sighs> So if y'all don't know about Corpse Bride, who are you? 
Corpse Bride is by Tim Burton, and it came out in 2005. That makes me feel old. <laughs> I know, like that long ago? So it's a Tim Burton movie. You know what you're getting into. Spooks. Spooks. It's macabre. And the music is by Danny Elfman, just like every other Tim Burton movie. Johnny Depp voices the main character. Duh. Helena Bonham Carter voices Emily, the corpse bride. Duh. <laughs> it's a Tim Burton movie, you guys. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I know that I can't tell y'all. That's just it. But the corpse bride is a corpse bride because she died before she could get married. I'm not going to tell you what happened because you got to watch the movie. Yeah. In fact, that's it's important to the movie. Yeah, it'd be a spoiler if she told you. Yeah, it'd be. <laughs> but. There's good-ass music. If you liked The Princess and the Frog, watch Corpse Bride. I'm not kidding. They're not the same, but there's some similar music. It is just... The Remains of the Day is, like, the best Tim Burton song ever mm-hmm. from any Tim Burton movie. You can fight me about it. <laughs> so... If you couldn't guess from the title, The Corpse Bride is a corpse bride if you cheese a zombie. If you like zombies, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> there she be. There she be. She very much wanted to get married. If that didn't happen, she died. <laughs> and I will tell you, the, the couple that... the the. The couple you think is going to happen doesn't happen. The couple on the cover doesn't happen. <laughs> she's a corpse. Yeah. I will tell you that much. She's she's dead. <laughs> she's dead dead. She she not coming back. Um, Victor likes to play piano. Main character. Which I think is nice. It's very Victorian type energy. So if you like that kind of aesthetic, but it's Tim Burton, you know what you're getting into. It is animation, claymation, just like um, Nightmare Before Christmas. So if you've seen that, you also know what you're getting into. It looks the same. <laughs> what I'm getting at. <laughs> and of course, there's no color palette to this. Everything is blue and black and gray. Yeah. So if you... Honestly, if you like spooky stuff, but you don't like that, you may want to skip it. <laughs> there are some spooky things that don't look like this. It's not required that spooky stuff look like this, but this is... There's no color in this movie. <laughs> there's also some... Um, oh, I'm thinking of the old dude in the... Like, the... There's, like, spell work. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! There's like a there's like a curse or a spell or a thing that they gotta do. Yeah. We have a time frame. <laughs> is what I mean. There's also a MacGuffin object with that ring. Is it fine to say it's a MacGuffin? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Tim Burton redefines gothic romance in the stop-motion tale of an undead bride and her still-breathing room. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I don't know who wrote that review, but that sums it up. This is before Tim Burton got complacent, Mm. I'll say. All his movies looking real similar all of a sudden. This is when he was still good. Oh, according to Plan is Good. Oh, we played that. We played that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. According to Plan. Yeah, we have some arranged marriage plot here. Yeah. Fighting for a bride type. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) We have a man fighting for his love in this story. Corpse bride. She's a bride and she's dead. What more do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Seventh and eighth house. <laughs> what do you have? Well, my my topic actually goes more with yours than it does mine. Oh. Now that I'm, like, looking at it. And I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I'm going to talk about it again because I love it. And people can... Fuck off. I don't know. Please don't. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to be talking about The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, which takes place um, from the beginning of of October to the first week of November. And it's... How do I explain it? It's a love story set against a background that shouldn't have a love story. (laughs) It's good. Uh, There's man-eating horses. Yes, that come out of the ocean every October. And it's said that these horses, the Kapil Ishka, if they're caught, are the best mounts you'll ever have. And the Scorpio races are races where people take these man-eating horses and they race them. Um, Scorpio, though, because for a while I was like, why is it called Scorpio races if they're the Kapalishka? It's because um, the ocean that they're in is called the Scorpio Sea. So the horses come out of the Scorpio Sea... to eat peeps anyways there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of death and like uh da, da, da. like there's not a lot of death for the main characters like you like people aren't dying in this book really besides like unimportant side characters but it does change the people who are the main characters of the book. Besides the fact it's called the Scorpio races, it this whole book just feels very Scorpio energy-wise to me. But the Kapil Ishka are essentially uh, fairy horses. So they're, they're from Irish mythology. 
and they have like 60 different names <laughs> and they're close they're closely related to kelpies so if you know what a kelpie is you kind of know what a kapalishka is they're just as devious <laughs> but anyways the story follows uh puck and sean sean is like a horse whisperer and he can work with essentially any kapalishka any horse like normal horse and he's more familiar with horses than he is people and then you have puck who never wants anything to deal, like, to do with the Kapalishka, but she loves her mare, which is just a normal horse. Her mare's name is Dove. Um, she wants nothing to do with the Kapalishka because her parents were killed by the Kapalishka. And obviously, the perfect setup is these two. Puck has to ride in the races because her brother is leaving the mainland, and to keep him on the mainland... Or his, her brother is leaving for the mainland because they're an island off in the middle of the ocean. Her brother is leaving for the mainland and to keep him on the island for a little bit longer, she tells him, I'm going to ride in the races. So on and so forth. So sets forward her story. And the reason I picked this one wasn't for all of that. The reason I picked this one was because like somewhere towards the beginning of the book there's um the scorpio festival so people go out and there's lots of drums and everybody's happy and they're drunk and going about their day and during the scorpio festival puck has to declare herself a rider in the races all of the riders have to declare themselves themselves at this rock at the top of the hill. And during this festival, all the riders go up, they assemble, they do the riders parade, they go up to this rock and each one has to come up and have their finger cut open to drip blood on this rock and declare themselves, I'm going to ride their name and then there's ma their mount's name. So it's very ritualistic the way that they they do the festival and the riders parade and that's mainly why i chose it because of the festival aspect because i don't have any um books that have to do with like beltane ish themes that's the word i wanted themes i don't know any books like that i'm not one to read like books about porn so <laughs> chances are i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna find a book about beltane <laughs> but it's a ya novel you and you did you describing the rock made me think of um like did you put your name in the goblet of fire <laughs> that's what it made me think of oh, the honestly kind of a little bit like she goes up there to give her name and 
give her blood and whatever the fuck. And then all these men start to pop out of nowhere. They're like, you can't ride. You're a woman. And she's like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And they're like, you're not going to change our ways. Like, you can't be the first woman down on the sand and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what? What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? And then, of course, in comes our male protagonist. And he essentially proclaims I will like speak for her and she should ride because blah 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 read the book if you want the whole speech (laughs) (laughs) but he comes out of nowhere and he says she deserves to be on the beach and then she gets to ride and so starts their um their constipated romance so that's what it is They're so, like, Sean himself is so emotionally constipated. But, like, Puck it. Okay, so here's the thing. Puck would be your typical fire sign compared to Sean being your typical water sign. (laughs) That's the easiest way to explain their dynamic. So you got fiery, emotional girl, and you've got small, saf- small, soft, sad boy. Awesome. <laughs> That's what I have. If you want to hear more from us, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram by just searching up Mixed Witches Podcast. And you can shoot us an email, mixedwitchespodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Society6, which is also at Mixed Witches Podcast. And we have our website where you can find all of our episodes up until now, which is at mixedwitchespodcast.squarespace.com. So, hope you guys learned something. I know the Beltane celebration stuff was super short, but at least you got something with the, uh, the 7th and 8th house Got some good information there. Yup. <laughs> yep. Was this a was this a good usher into that other podcast we were listening to and what we were talking about talking about in the future? <laughs> Might be. Might be. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, hope you guys had a good time with us this week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Getting faded, did not appreciate all that they created. We're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Thinking more, but doing less. Keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all. Chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Chasing after that witch's brew. Got nothing better to do Cause y'all sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it all Getting high then Feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
desire Chasing after that witch's brew Dam, 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 dam Dreaming about paradise Play those cards, baby, roll those dice, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Dam, 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 dam Start to go and then you stop cause you're sailing down easy street again. Damn, almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, you're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn.